From The High Window by Raymond Chandler I had a funny feeling as I saw the house disappear, as though I had written a poem and it was very good and I had lost it and would never remember it again. This is Gothic. Season 4 of the Gothic Podcast may contain sensitive material not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sitting here at the roll-top desk that belonged to my father, I cannot help but compare myself to him. I remember how he would sit in this same chair at the end of each month, sorting through papers, getting all the numbers right, until finally he would lean back in the chair, wedge his knuckles into the small of his back, and give a contented sigh while stretching. He was a good businessman, my father. That sigh meant that we would eat well for another month, that we would have a roof over our heads, gas in the car, money to send my sister and I to the after-school activities we wanted to go to. Here at this desk now, I only have one piece of paper in front of me. The numbers on it mean that my family could eat well for the rest of their lives, that they will have a roof over their heads, gas in the car, and that my children can do what they want with their lives. But it isn't the balance sheet for the month's income and debt. I don't need to look at those pages. It is hard not to compare myself to my father. He was a good businessman. Me? I am not. Mr. Singh? My wife says to me, You are a good husband, but you are not a good businessman. You are too sweet. You can't let our tenants not pay. Mrs. Singh, I say back, You are a most excellent wife, and you are a better business person than I. But I don't want to be just a good businessman. I want to be a good man. And times are hard. I won't put someone out on the street in the rain and in the cold when I have the power to keep them warm and dry. And then she would come to me with a tear in her eye and say, You are a good man, Mr. Singh. Don't you ever doubt it. I don't want to doubt it. But I have failed my own family in my striving to not fail the families of others. The numbers on those other pieces of paper say so. The numbers on this piece of paper, the big logo of metropolitan life and health at the top, say that I could fix it. My wife calls to me from the kitchen. We will have noodles again. She makes excellent noodles. I put the policy back in its cubby drawer, the same drawer where my father kept his, and I dig my knuckles into the small of my back, and I let out a contented sigh, because I am a man whose family loves me, whose tenants are fond of me, and a man who can keep his head raised high when he walks down the street. 
So, not today. I will not put a separate burden upon my family in order to relieve them of another. Not today. Fate will provide. Fate will provide. But what is that sound? It's not the whistle of a train or of the tea kettle. Where is it coming from? Oh, yes. Yes, I hear. Yes, I'm coming. Welcome back, Sojourners, and welcome back, Jesse, who Whee! has made his way out of the storm, out of the night and the snow, digging himself to the recording studio that is his upstairs room. <laughs> yep. I'm back. Yay. Woo. I made it. We really welcome pushed back. last time for people to join our Patreon so that we could buy you a four-wheel drive vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta we tell like, you, uh, uh, <laughs> Patreon subscriptions are really through the roof. Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> if only 10,000 of our Patreon supporters donated $5 a month, we could get Jesse a really nice car. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, I mean, we'd get a studio, probably. Yeah, that'd be nice, too. <laughs> well, we promised Jesse a car. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, I mean... That's embezzlement. How is he supposed I mean, to get to the studio? I mean, if we, if we had a studio, as long as I can set up a cot in the back, I think we're good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Sojourners, last time we got to find out what Baz and Cadence were doing in their montage downtime. And they found out some interesting information. But I'm sure, surely, not surely, not surely the receptionist. But surely Echo is doing something during uh, that time as well. Three or four days were involved for Cadence's montage sequence. Uh, so after the events at the warehouse where Cadence revved up the Bronco, it suddenly appeared and she rammed the desiccated ones who scattered before the Bronco. And then you all left the area and tried to deal with what you had seen and the new voices that appeared in your head. What did you do for your montage time, Echo? Uh, oh, boy. I think they would have, like, regrouped and given attention to one of the other Logos themes. Like, and I kind of wanted to include the others in this as well, Baz and Cadence. And well, that's not focus- going to happen. Oh. So, <laughs> if... <laughs> that totally changes everything, then. No, but... Is there something else you would have liked to have done, or would you have liked to have explored your mystery for your mythos? Damn it. I really liked the idea of going through my possession logos, but that's okay. All right, all right. Well, tell, tell us what your thought is, and then maybe, you know, maybe it could have gotten okay. fit in there I can somewhere. do it on my own. I can do it on my own and, it's, like, it's load possible. up. It's you know, possible. I can do it by myself, I? Dad. Who am I to say no? So tell us what you were tell us what you were gunning for here. So Echoes Echo, uh, they go back to their apartment, and back in the kitchen behind the pantry, actually, there's a secret door uh, that goes to a hidden loft area of the apartment where Echo collects ancient weaponry. Like there's what? there's. There's halberds, there's scimitars, there's crossbows, there's, there's 
Damn. Uh, there's there's all kinds of stuff like that. So he just starts pulling a variety of swords, headphones on, um, just really just like looking through the inventory, just pulling a few things here and there and starts shoving them in these duffel bags, uh, these large duffel bags, and then like a couple extra long weapons as well. And just starts stuffing, stuffing them into the bags. Um, tunes going. He's just kind of bopping as he do it. He's like, we got to get prepared for this. This is, this is some crazy shit going down. So just starts pulling everything and they stop and they look over a selection of swords and one that's always stood out. Um, and then he keep that they keep in a specific like glass case. They look at it. They run their fingers over the glass case and leave it and just grab like a couple other, uh, short swords. But yeah, crossbows um a couple of long weapons like a spear and a halberd and just packs them up and gets ready to meet up with the others geared up for what may be coming next having tried to carry an armory like that i appreciate the <laughs> level of comicality well and that's why i hoped cadence would have been there Comedy. because then we could have just loaded them into the into the vehicle at that point right. into the is it a bronco hell yeah it is Okay. So yeah, there is enough time, you know, Cadence for her montage part. There was there was time during that time where she could have driven by. I don't know how she's feeling about her Bronco at the moment, but Yeah, no, I mean uh I think as long as I'm you know, careful and try not to God, I don't know, do whatever it was I did, I think I'll be okay. I mean by light of day it seems kinda of silly, right? <laughs> Just don't disappear on us. How do you react? Cadence when Echo comes down the stairs of their uh, warehouse district apartment and just comes out carrying just a pile of weapon. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've been waiting there uh, with the door open because I wanted to, uh, you know, make loading of whatever Echo had presented me with some like, oh, yeah, we're going to get some useful tools or something and comes down the stairs and I just kind of oh my god, what are you doing? Rush over and help Echo get the uh, weapons into the car as fast as possible. Grab one of the, uh, you know, like the emergency blanket I got in the back seat, and I'm kind of like trying to cover them in the footwell. I'm like, what? What? What is all this, man? Like I said, it would have totally been easier if you guys would have been able to come up and like select through them yourselves. But I just grabbed what I thought might be helpful. Um, you just said you had some useful stuff. You didn't say I'd be carrying bladed weaponry in my car. It's not like it's legal. I, I have permits well, for all yeah, of these. Okay, all right. Where do you get a sword permit? <laughs> what office? What office gives that out? <laughs> Here's my license. <laughs> the Museum of Medieval Armory. They're all like museum type pieces. It's a very Ron Swanson type license. I do what I want. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, yeah. I guess. I guess we'll. Uh, I guess we'll meet up with Baz and like pick things that aren't going to be. I look dubiously at one of the halberds too conspicuous understandable <laughs> so one of the days back at the studio before baz and cadence have their discussion at the coffee shop down the street uh, cadence and echo have come back and there's just a table covered with 
bladed weapons and crossbows and other such items. Now, nobody is there at the same time. Uh, so is there a note left or what do you do, Echo, to pass out these weapons to the team? A really good question. <laughs> Pondering the answer. The Bronco um, can just be the armory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have a trunk full of useful items, canonically. Well, there you go. Yeah, it may not be a table in the um, in the studio. It might just be, uh, especially because for reasons that Echo isn't aware of, but uh, Cadence is a little suspicious of uh, Shirley, the... Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, Echo, maybe we should go out to that uh, that one lot over, you know, a couple blocks out of way and kind of, I don't know, park the Bronco with the trunk to the wall and, like, do things there. Just, you know, just in case. Oh, yeah. I I'm, I wasn't planning on leaving this all at the studio. I mean, oh, <laughs> everybody's got keys to all the doors. So, I mean, yeah. I, mean, I think Baz is the only other one that has a key to Cal's office. For cleaning purposes? Yeah, I mean, Cal doesn't clean in there by himself, that's for sure. So we'd load it up and go to a nondescript point to pour over this. While we were at the studio, though, I think that Echo would try to grab a couple of items, like one of the oscilloscopes, uh, something for measuring sound, uh, just something that wouldn't be too bulky, nothing bigger that wouldn't, nothing too big that wouldn't fit in a in a backpack to to take with. Okay, so right now all you're doing is divvying up weapons because this is happening during the montage time, right? And it's actually happening before Baz goes and does the library stuff. How how do how do you see this library working? Library stuff. <laughs> well, you don't know <laughs> because that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. I know, right? I'm like, uh, uh, so how does this happen? Exactly. I don't know. What is it you're trying to do here? Are you just trying to divide, divvy up weapons? Or what is your, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. And ultimately, I just, ultimately just want to ensure that we all have some kind of protection. Um, it seems like we're getting into some really hairy stuff. I don't have a whole lot of, like, uh, what is considered new age weaponry, but at least we've got some protection. And I've got, like, the frogs, um, holsters, <laughs> everything that you would need to, like, strap it on your back or shove it in, like, a, 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 a hidden boot, you know? You say new age weaponry, and I'm thinking, like, uh, a, uh, a pistol with an incense burner on it. <laughs> and, uh... It's just a massive quartz point. <laughs> it shoots flowers. It shoots flowers. It shoots flowers. Um... It's it's just an amulet made of smoky quartz, and I wave it at you, and all negative effects go away. <laughs> Other than like the regular projectile type bows, crossbows, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, it's all pretty much bladed weaponry. Well, to avoid wandering around like Van Helsing, maybe <laughs> we can just leave it in the Bronco. <laughs> and, well, yeah, you know, hope we can get there in time. But ensure that everybody's at least got right. A knife at hand. Okay, for sure. That said, what would you each pick out for your your go-to weapon? If you just had to, like, dive into the back of the Bronco or reach beneath your coat or whatever, what is it that you would pull out from from Echo's antique weaponry collection that appears to be quite <laughs> extensive? Does he have brass knuckles? Yeah, 
they do have brass knuckles. There's also daggers in a variety of forms, including fancy to really plain looking and easy to conceal. Boot knives. Uh, hand crossbows. would appropriate uh, a set of their brass knuckles and a knife and plan to grab probably like a studded club <laughs> if stuff is really hitting the fan. What about cadence? Well, um, being concerned about uh, concealability, I probably look at a crossbow for a while, just thinking, you know, if I'm seated in the vehicle and I'm like, you know, the getaway person, probably I'm not going to be facing hand-to-hand combat here. But, uh, you know, it's hard to stick a crossbow in your shirt and not have that be obvious that you stuck a crossbow in your shirt. And uh, so uh, I'd probably go for a, a boot knife. So those are all fine choices that you have made. Uh, what what would you choose, Echo? Uh, Echo would go with a uh, short sword, um, but also has like this trench that they wear very often, and has got like a, a nice belt with a with a frog on it, and just kind of slides it there, and it's kind of hidden by the trench coat. Damn, I gotta get me one of those. I got more. Right. <laughs> nice choices, everyone. Um, Baz, would you be so kind as to roll for me a convince? Roll, but with voices in my head marked as a negative. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so marking that as a negative. It's done it. Yes, it has. Okay, then do I get to use any power tags to try and convince the voice in my head about something? What would you argue? If, if it's not any dialogue, uh, I mean, I think that I'm trying to choose something to protect the vulnerable. For reasons, I don't think that that will. Uh, matter because okay. you're not trying to be convinced not to. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. I'm just gonna roll then. Oh, okay. We're we're burning it up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get? Uh, four. Okay. <laughs> Good job. You reach for the the spiked club to try to really get a feel for it, but it just it doesn't feel quite right, and in your head. Is a tiny little voice that says, Oh man, that's a pretty cool hand axe. That is a pretty cool hand axe. I'm going to take the hand axe. And so you take the hand axe instead. Well, not necessarily take it. That was the one you were going to leave in the Bronco for grabbing purposes. But you know where it is. So at this point, Baz just thinks the voice in his head is common sense. <laughs> <laughs> So a delivery happens at the metal shop of a lot of new equipment, including some things that Echo can be using to try to make new scarab communicators, if they so desire. And Baz makes a nocturnal visit to the library. Watch out for Phoebe. And has some trouble with Phoebe, the librarian. And it comes to be a night where Echo has left earlier in the day uh, for some reason. What would that reason be, Echo? Why would you have left early? Um, given the events that have transpired, they would um, go to uh, the approximate spot. And actually, they know exactly where it is, where they found uh, Christina um, in the street. Just kind of like reassessing the damage and seeing if uh, they've started, like, reconstruction of the buildings around that area. Um, now, this is in the industrial zone, right? 
warehouse and industrial zone. Yeah. Uh, just for clarity, uh, Sojourners, I have given our uh, crew a map of the city, thanks to uh, City of Mist and uh, <laughs> the Knights of Pain Town game, which, by the way, is not what we're playing. Don't try to, you know, be all sneaky on us and think we're doing something we're not. Uh, but it has a nice map of, <laughs> of the city, and so, uh, so we're using that. So Echo's down, uh, Echo's place is down there. Now, where is the metal shop? Remind us. I think the metal shop is inside the industrial zone, right? I thought we kind of talked about that, but also the metal shop is like used to be an actual welding uh, place of welding. Like a, a welding. Place of welding. <laughs> like a mechanics, like a, like a welder, uh, like a welder's business. So would it be on the edge, like between... Um, I that think it would and be one on of the, the more edge. residential business areas. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. Or even close to like a main thoroughfare, like where that um, tri-junction is with Ocean Heights and everything near the bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's uh, let's say that it is down in the uh, what is on our map, the Ocean Heights area. Uh, that makes sense. That it uh, is kind of on the verge there, and so Echo is taken off a little early. Uh, said just has to. They just have to get their head straight and uh, takes off for a bit. Now, that leaves uh, when the store closes, the closed sign flipped around, Shirley having finished up everything that she needed to do and headed off. That left just Baz and Cadence. And Baz, the night before, had just found out his information from the library. Cadence had just gotten in the shipments today that uh, she had ordered via IV Corp and had had her interactions with the delivery folk. Now, even without Echo, they decide that they want to discuss these things, and Cadence talks Baz into uh, going to a nearby coffee shop. Baz riding high off of his success and uh, his successful escape from Phoebe the librarian goes with, which he normally wouldn't. Doesn't like to be seen out in public. The next time we play D&D, I want to be a librarian barbarian. (laughs) (laughs) A librarian. (laughs) After they discuss what they had found, respectively, Baz looks out the window and sees across the street a very recognizable motorcycle ridden by a very recognizable red-eyed creature, but a red-eyed creature that has very familiar features. Oh, yeah. Those of Mr. Singh, his landlord, who had fallen in the rain. Baz and Cadence. Baz, you have just said, they're here. We've got to go. What do you do? All right, don't get up from the table. Look back to my face. I'm going to say some random bullshit. We're going to pretend we're having a regular-ass conversation. Keep keep your eyes on my face. Do not look out the window. And we're going to make like we have not noticed that they are here, all right? Keep your eyes on my face. We're going to make like we haven't noticed, and we're just going to casually finish our coffee. And uh, and we're going to get up like nothing else has happened, and we're going to go out the back door. We're going to make like we're going to the bathroom. We're going to go to the back door. Oh, oh okay, Cadence. Baz is, is, like, already at his processing capacity limit, and if she wasn't talking to him like this, he would have just been out the back door already. 
Yeah, no, I can tell. I'm like, Liz, keep your eyes focused on me. We're going to pretend we haven't seen them. We're going to go out that back door, but we're going to do it casual-like. All right? Okay, Cadence. And, and then he just, like, tosses off the rest of his coffee and looks ready to bolt. Meanwhile, some blocks away, Echo has been spending some time in the place where their sister had fallen in the rain. Echo, you got there late afternoon. What does this look like? What hap- What's happening there? Late afternoon, it's, it's not, you know, everybody's still kind of at work. Uh, they haven't shut down the day yet. There's still, you know, there's sounds going on in the background of people working. There's cars going by. For a moment, uh, they just stand at the sidewalk and stare at that spot in the middle of the street and look around at... Some of the windows have started, you know, have been replaced. Some of them just still have, like, wood boards over them. And they're just questioning. It's like, what? Why? What is the purpose of this? I mean, they also start to muse among themselves, um, start to hum a tune that Christina always used to sing to get them to sleep, like, shortly after their parents died. They just start to hum along, remembering, like, flashing back to when they were younger. And just, they just hum along with that same tune, like hearing it in their head and Christina's voice singing the song. And I imagine like a light starts to kind of like, not like anything bright, but just, just something just, they, they tend to stand out just a little bit and it may be dangerous what they're doing, but, um, they start to give off like a, a glow and reins it in really quick before it gets out of hand like it had that night. And testing that theory, realizing that it's something that they can slowly get little pieces of, and just trying to play, feel out that power that they felt, and just trying to use that a little bit more in smaller doses. But, you know, once that glow and once that energy started to build around them, they were like, okay, that's enough for now, and then I'd start heading back. Except you realize after all of that, that hours have passed. Oh, damn. <laughs> Night has fallen, and you didn't even notice it. You've just been standing there on the sidewalk, people passing by you, around you, sometimes bustling up against you, sometimes yelling at you, but you not really even registering any of it. Nope, not at all. And now that you have come back to yourself, it's pretty hard not to notice the idling motorcycle a couple of car lengths down, parked on the other side of the road with its rider staring at you. A rider you recognize. And, okay, a specific recognition? Yeah. It's Christina. And yeah, that that would totally be the reaction, like a breath catch, and just trying to like back into the walls and into the shadow just to see, does Christina have the red eyes that we noticed with the others? Yes. Yeah, totally backing away. Her skin is parchment-like and close to the skeletal feature, you know, the skeletal structure of her uh, face, not like she was in life. Could you describe... Christina as she was in life? In life, 
she was like she was like like dandelions in the wind she was just would go where the winds would carry her she she would just float along with whatever came her way and then she always seemed to get to where she needed she she knew where she was going but didn't care if the winds changed and took her somewhere else she was vibrant she was uh, beautiful she was like she was like those first few like snowflakes that would come down in the winter um that that would just kind of like hover and float and just be so elegant and just they know where they're going and they would have this perfect dance she was she was grace uh she was very graceful she she took whatever came her way and um like like an like an artist always always just knew where to plant that foot which turn to take and and how to make it look like it was on purpose and if in life she was that now she is the dandelion with all of the fluff blown off of it she is the snow 4 days later after the street cleaners have pushed it up onto the curb and it has become covered with mud and dirt. That is the feeling that comes off of her, all of you. And we'll start with Baz, because he saw the writer first, needs to face danger versus a uh, taking a disturbed one status. As far as potential power tags go, see, I'm facing the danger of... Uh, what I'm feeling about seeing the the desiccated one, or facing yes. danger of the desiccated one. This is just being disturbed on a a visceral level, in part because it's somebody you recognize, Mister Singh, but also just because these creatures are are not creatures. They are they were people, and now they're something else, and it's just a lot to deal with. Okay. Uh, then, because Cadence is here, I think that Baz's instinct is that he needs to protect Cadence. And I should, you know, from my perspective, be able to use Protect the Vulnerable. Would this be a situation where where he could use, like, help and hurt from from people? Yeah, absolutely. If you've got a help point on Baz, uh, your presence could be a strengthening aspect. Yeah, I'm not I've sure, got... though, about protect uh, the protect thing. You're not really trying to protect. So if the the idea is that this thing is a danger, then that would that would definitely be his thinking. Yeah, it's it's not that aspect that is causing this uh, this potential status. This is just your own internal. Okay. Uh, so then uh, I've got a minus from uh, from feeling disturbed. Did I hear that correctly? No, 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 no. You're you're facing danger to not get that status. Okay, understood. And then Cadence is giving me a help point on this with the, the calm talking yeah i've got uh, i've got help points on baz so if if baz can use a help point for me or if i have to give a help point to baz you use the help point to give baz a bonus okay yeah i will do that i've got plenty of help points on baz so take one so you see him i mean you saw all that about him getting yeah. ready to bolt and and all but he's pale and not looking well <laughs> Right. Uh, well, I'd say that's that's the. Uh, I'm trying to keep him like calm-headed, basically, and just not going into total panic. And so, 
Of course, you're trying to keep yourself from that too. Right. Exactly. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to keep cool heads in this situation, and so that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing to use the help point. Yeah, but how? Oh, uh, what I had already done with the, uh, you know, keep your eyes on me, stay calm. We're going to go out the back door. Okay. Um, that makes that sense. kind of stuff. I want that to be uh, gamified as the help point. So yeah, so take a one plus one help from Perfect. from Cadence. Now Cadence, you get rid of that help. Yeah. That no longer exists. And dear listeners, I think we may not have gone over the crew theme improvement that we uh, we ratcheted up last time, which is tight like that which is uh, once per session when one of you uses juice points to help or interfere with another crew member's move, uh, you gain one more point of juice to do so. Does the help count as juice? That was my reading of the rules. <laughs> <laughs> that it counts as juice mm. you can use to, to help or interfere, I mean, with hurt points, with another, another player's move. I guess maybe the help points are considered to be, help and hurt points are considered to be juice that you're holding on to. So, yeah, okay. Okay, excellent. So, Do you want to use tight like that? You might need it later. <laughs> I'd say it's up to Cadence. Uh, yeah, absolutely, sure. I'm uh, helping or interfering, in this case helping, with another crew member's move. I feel it's kind of appropriate just because this is sort of really what Baz needs to overcome yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> this obstacle Everybody here. mark off tight like that on your crew theme card. Even me, though I'm not there. Yeah, it's on the on the crew theme. Yeah, it's a crew theme. So if Got somebody it. uses All it, all for one. Yeah. <laughs> so then, if I acquired, wait, when one of you uses juice to help or interfere, you gain more one more point of juice. Do we collectively get a point of juice to no. do? So? Oh wait, one more point of juice to do so. So he gets an right. extra juice on top of what I provided. It's a to plus him. two from you, essentially, <sighs> instead yes. of a plus one. Yes, right. I knew there was a reason we picked this move. That's good. <laughs> you get a plus two from me. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and uh, sorry, MC, I'm facing danger. Mm-hmm. Dang. What'd you get? A seven. <laughs> Thankfully, it was a plus two. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been bad if I hadn't done that. Yeah, that would have been right. horrible. <laughs> so a seven and nine, you take the status, but with a minus one... Uh, tier and since it's only a one tier status anyway, you don't take the status. Yeah, Baz Baz seems to calm, and his breathing evens out, and uh, his eyes go from pinpoints to a more normal dilation. But let's see how Cadence manages the same idea without the uh, tight like that right. crew theme to help. <laughs> But I do feel using a help point on Baz's part would make sense as he's calming down and he kind of just reaches out a hand to grasp Cadence's wrist okay. and say, oh, okay, Cadence, we we got this. We're anchoring each other. All right, so I have a plus one from his help. This is dealing with perhaps the dead, at least things that appear to be, uh, which in your own head could be enough to trigger any any mythos type things you might have. That would, uh, uh, I don't know if you have any that really fit it yet. Okay. What about, I have a tag on my Mythos Mobility, Always Room for You, which uh, I had talked about as being like, no matter how many people I'm taking with me on the, you know, kind of ghostly paths that I walk, I can always bring them along if I choose to do so. So if I 
if I chose to uh, lean into my kind of fading out of reality and taking Baz with me, that might be really helpful, actually, to kind of sneak out the back. However, I don't know if that's a face danger role. That might be a different role, which is like sneak around. Yeah, I, I think if you're tr- going to be trying to sneak away from them, that's going to mm-hmm. apply more there than yeah. your mental state right. in dealing with them. The other one that I was eyeballing was uh, performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking of kind of a fake it till you make it, I'm staying calm, I'm in control. Like performance could be something that I could invoke, I feel like, into because uh, if I'm calm, Baz is calm. And if Baz is calm, then I'm calm, you know? Yeah. I'm just wondering if your weakness tag of in the crosshairs would come into play here. I think that's probably fair. I'm already in the crossroads. (laughs) And so those will just sort more or less balance out. But yeah, okay. Let's see what happens in the crosshairs and performance. So that's a net plus one. Yeah, I'm doing face danger. Uh, It is a mild success with an eight. Eight. So the same idea. Same thing as Baz, yeah. It. You take the status, but it's reduced in tier by one, but it was only a one-tier status. Mm-hmm. So so you, too, keep it together. Excellent. But, alas, and a lesson to be learned, Echo is off there by themselves. <sighs> we shouldn't have split the party! <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything you might use to face danger against the mental disturbance of this, of the Force? <laughs> Then I am going to use my Mythos tag of Impenetrable Mind. Um, Oh, nice. uh, Locking up. Like, I come out of this reverie of remembering Christina in our younger years and see this and instantly block out everything. Uh, they, They thought they were ignoring everybody along the street as they walked by and everything over these what seemed to be past few hours instead of just minutes. And this vision comes through and it is, it is a, she appeared through the mist like a ghost of a former memory and instantly want to lock up everything that was going on in my mind and make my way back towards my friend. Roll face danger with the uh, impenetrable mind. Unless you have some more you think you want to add in. I had already argued against looking harmless, but that's more of an escape roll or uh, stealth kind of thing. So if you know this what? is a face danger. You know, sometimes a weakness tag can be used as a positive rather than a negative. Pain behind the eyes in this one, in this case. Almost I don't think it's going to help that snake eyes too much. No. Yeah. Yeah. That was a bad roll. Yeah, that was not a good roll. It's got a little red box around it. That must. Be- oh yeah, it was snake eyes. <laughs> Can you burn the tag after, or do you have to burn the tag before you make the roll? You mark it to roll, and then it can be burned depending on the outcome. Are you sure about that? I am not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading about it now. Burning it would have given it an automatic seven. Right. Automatic seven with a power of or with a yeah, with a power of three. And right. so you would have gotten a ten on the roll. I did not state it was a burn. So that's gonna be another fade, isn't it? No. No, 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 no. You just take the okay. status. Uh so uh you will take the status of um you'll have uh disturbed one. Is this another tracking card? Yes. I found the thing. 
before determining power, you can choose to burn one of your power tags. In order to burn it, you must be able to invoke the tag to this move. The tag must be relevant to the action and cannot be used if it's already burned. Okay. So it does have to be before. Okay. Yeah. And then go ahead and click the minus on that, because that's going to apply here for the next uh, little while. Okay. Marked. Okay. Great. This doesn't stop you, Echo, from trying to make your way away from the motorcycle and its rider and back toward the metal shop. Are you trying to be sneaky about it, or are you just going quick and stealthy? Like, if I know a back alley or something like that, that I can duck down and, like, just jet, cool. I'm going to have you roll sneak around, but it is going to be with your disturbed one, and it's also going to be... They have a... uh, they have a couple of special statuses. Uh, they have um, <laughs> a thing called Motorcycle Stunts 2. Oh, dear. And so that is going to be a minus on your roll because you're trying to get away from the rider by going down alleys and and taking back ways, and they're going to be coming after you doing all these weird motorcycle stunts, maybe. We'll see. Motorcycle stunts, too, marked. (laughs) Yeah, you can just, on that one, you don't have to write it down. It's not a status on you. So you can just um, put it in as a minus up in the power. I I totally created a whole new tracking card for it. Yeah, you didn't need to do that. Anyway. And then anything you want to add to that? That's a pretty horrible roll at the moment. Uh, You can... You can burn a tag and get an automatic 7 with a power of 3, so it would be a 10, and then it would be the minus 3 that you currently have going, but you'd at least have a 7. is a complicated success. And, of course, whatever tag you chose would have to make sense. Yeah. Later in the evening, people are starting to mill about getting their dinners and whatnot and making their ways home. Make them away. Make them away. Not the musical episode yet. (laughs) But... Uh, would look harmless if I tried to blend into the crowd at that point during my stealth sneak around getting away. Could I use that as mixing it into any crowds that are nearby? Tricky, but if you want to use it or burn it, I would allow it. Uh, And that would just be, you know, indicative, especially if you burned it, it would be indicative of you throwing everything you had into... Not running, not yeah. fleeing, but rather blending. Okay. And it would, that would just sort of wear you out as far as that goes. Got it. All right. I'll throw the looks harmless on then. I am going to burn it. I'm just going to throw my hood up like some of the others have because, you know, City of Mist, it always seems to be moist here. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry, Sojourners, that one of our crew said the word moist. For those of you who are disturbed by the word moist, we promise that we will try not to say the word moist anymore <laughs> hey, after hey, we've said moist this listen, time. Listen, this we've already said user discretion is advised. If people can handle <laughs> themes of everything else we're doing, they can handle the word moist. Content warning. <laughs> Content warning. We say the word moist. This I is now feel... a City of Moist podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a city of moist. Ripper. Oh, All right. The mist is... The City of Moist with a t-shirt note. City of Moist, I love it. Okay, um, so since it's still really damp around, Echo throws the hood up 
and moves into a nearby crowd, uh, maybe around a nearby food vendor, and looking, you know, with that side-eye glance out the edge of the hood, um, just keeping an eye, and they just kind of make their way through everybody until they find, like, the perfect spot to just duck into the shadows and take an alternate route through an alleyway away from this disturbing vision that has come upon them. And without looking or trying not to look, you look in reflections of glass storefronts that are still unbroken in this area. Puddles in in the ground. uh, Puddles on the ground. You look in the uh, glasses being worn by people you're walking around. You, for a long time, as you're trying to maneuver your way away, you see the bike just sort of idling along, following in your general path, but you just keep at it. It takes time. It takes effort. And you have have put more into looking nonchalant than you ever have before. Do I still make the roll? No. Okay. It's an automatic uh, roll, dice roll of seven, and then with a three power, so it's an automatic ten. Now, that still has the minus three in it, so it brings it down to seven. Okay. But it's still a success. It's just a mixed success. During this time, too, though, you notice somebody else, not one, uh, not a writer, uh, but you notice somebody else see you. And it's kind of surprising because you recognize them, too. It's Shirley from the metal shop. Oh, fucking shit. Oh, damn it. Shirley not. Shirley not. But you're already in the midst of slipping away and still having to be super furtive. You know that she's seen you, has recognized you, has even lifted her hand um, partway up, and then she lowers it, and you vanish into the crowd. This poor woman has never been so uh, friend-zoned in her life. (laughs) Back to the coffee shop. A few moments have passed. Several minutes, in fact, have passed. The bike is still idling out there the blue neon underlighting lighting up the the street beneath it the wet street here in these moist city streets well i tell you what i'm so disturbed by the word moist that we just gotta go now definitely the name of this episode is city of moist (laughs) city of moist (laughs) I'm sorry, listeners. Eric, Eric has turned red. No, he's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, We. I want to... Uh, my goal, anyway, is to get out the back and lose the biker uh, out front. Yeah, so Baz takes a deep breath and looks at Cadence and says, Cadence, time to go? Yeah, let's make it look real casual. Like, get up, kind of, you know, toss the tip on the table, mosey on back towards the back of the shop. Past the past the bar and the espresso counter, we're gonna uh, take a left over here. That's where the restrooms are. There's an exit door out the back. Nod to one of the baristas, like I know him, you know. And I'm just gonna go really casually out the back. The smell of roasted coffee beans wafted <laughs> through the store. Cadence seems to be taking the lead on this. So, do you want to do the sneak around? And uh, since I had previously mentioned a particular tag I wanted to use for sneak around. Mm-hmm. Always room for you. That makes total sense right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing my thing. I'm deliberately dropping us out of attention. And uh, I might even grab Baz by the arm or by the hand just to make sure that he's like with me mm-hmm. uh, this time. <laughs> How does Baz react to that? Being 
touched by another human being. <laughs> he would flinch initially, I think, but because they've developed a rapport, relax almost immediately and be drawn along, uh, just going, don't, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back. Mm-hmm. Actually, wait, can I also use roads on the other side? Because that's what I'm trying to get us onto and uh, maybe cut a few corners, extra dimensionally speaking. Do you feel like that will work if you're not in your car? I don't know. That's the question, isn't it? I've never tried it without my car before. Interesting. What you're saying is you're using your power in a new and unexpected way. I am using my power in a new and unexpected way. You are going to stop holding back. back. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) It's no longer sneak around, Sojourners. Um, Cinematic moves. All right. Uh, Is there anything else I can add to this? I don't want to fail. Don't roll anything yet because I have to set the price. Oh. For stop holding back. Okay. Uh, what it is, you're, you're using this uh, ability without a car, and uh-huh. so I'm not saying it's, it's not going to be the ultimate or the no, you know, no return, but it is significant. On a 7 to 9, mark fade, crack, and burn all the power tags on oh, one theme. God. On a 10 plus, mark fade, crack, on one theme. Wait a minute. Burn all the power tags on one theme on a 10 plus. Oh, so, okay. So, so if you get a 10 plus, plus right, 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 right. you'll be okay. Well, sort of okay. So I'm going to do it. Stop holding back. Here goes. Oh, the result is a 12. <laughs> wow. Look at you. <laughs> you are silence. <laughs> Which is ironic, considering my name is literally Cadence. <laughs> <laughs> you will be marking um, Fade Crack on one theme here. Fade Crack on on one theme. Do I get to choose which theme I mark Fade Crack on? I think so, and since it worked, that, that feels like a Logos theme yeah. would probably be most appropriate because you're, you just rocked the mythos. Wait a minute. This says to roll, for Stop Holding Back, roll plus Logos. Oh, that's right. I Did I do that right? Yeah, no, you did not, because you don't add tags. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you don't add tags to it. You, to you roll back. with your logos, but you would be rolling with a plus three, so you would yeah. actually have gotten a 13. Uh, yeah, than... I would have gotten a 13, <laughs> which is better. Than the 12. Yeah. Uh, okay, mark fade crack on one. Uh, While you're deciding. Yeah. While you're descri- uh, deciding, what does this look like, Cadence? Yeah, we're moving through this coffee shop. This is a place I've picked specifically because it's busy at this hour, and I figured it would be full of lots of noise and people moving around and, like, coffee-smelling steam and this, the noise of the, the, you know, the steam wand as it goes into the milk jug. So this is a busy little cafe. I also described it last time as a hole in the wall, so it's very narrow and very deep. And uh, I'm walking ahead of Baz, my hands reaching behind him, holding his hand, and I carefully take in a breath of air and just make sure that I'm gripping his hand and try to drop us into that feeling that I had in the car uh, when I was waiting on the curb that time. And it feels like everything around me is kind of graying around the corners like my peripheral vision the color is leaching out of it uh baz i imagine you would probably notice this too uh everything around us seems to be like the colors draining out of the world and we're moving through it's almost like everything is uh kind of slowing down and uh the sound also is fading out at the edges and we're winding our way towards the back of the shop in this gray scale uh, and much quieter uh, scape of people. 
And what it looks like from the outside is that we've just uh, wound our way through the crowd. And then any eye that would have been following us would have watched us maybe go behind a person. And then as you tracked us to go out the other side from behind this, whatever object it was, we wouldn't have appeared when you would have expected us to. Yeah. And I think as we're making our way out, uh, Baz would even kind of take another deep breath and even straighten up a little bit and mm -hmm. look around and, and notice no one maybe for the first time in his life mm -hmm. looking at him at all. Yeah, absolutely. No one's paying us any attention whatsoever. And, and say, they, they can't even see me. They're, they're not even looking at me. And then we'd be out the back. <laughs> all three of you, from your varying directions, head back to the metal shop. And as you come within sight of it from different directions, Baz and Cadence from one way, Echo from another, you may find that you're not even perhaps surprised to see the blue and red flashing lights of police cars parked in front of the metal shop, blocking access to it. Oh, no. And a number of police officers standing around and the crackle of radios coming to you through the misty streets of the city. And we will find out what happens. Street. Next time on the Gothic... Well, actually, Sojourners, I want to make a little announcement here. Um, this next episode is actually going to come a week <laughs> earlier than they have been. And in part, that is uh, an apology uh, from us uh, to you for the use of the word moist this episode. <laughs> uh, but also, <laughs> uh, we are trying to get on to a schedule that uh, works for us so that we're we're not um, offset from recording nights. Release date on to the same day as our recording date. So uh, look for this next episode a week early, and then after that, they will once again start coming every two weeks. As far as the rest of this goes, we'll see you next time in the dark, in the night, in the city of moisture. Moist. <laughs> on the Gothic Podcast. <laughs> Good night. I've created a monster. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama produced by C. Patrick Nagel and Goblin Brook Manor, LLC, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, Eric Halbert, and me, Kirsten Valerie. Our logo was designed by Jared George Art, and our theme music is by Zoe Hovland. We stay afloat thanks to you, so if you can, please support us on Patreon and follow, like, and review us on iTunes and all our social media platforms. Thanks for joining us in the dark, Sojourners. In the city of moisture.